I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. This is How Story Works. And today we're going to talk about the romantic comedy classic, His Girl Friday. When talking about criticism today with His Girl Friday, we're going to have to address some fairly uncomfortable topics and things which, as a critic, you may not feel prepared to talk about. There are things that I don't feel prepared to talk about, but it is important that we talk about them and at least address them, at least recognize that we see them, even if we don't have answers for them. When I spoke about the structure of His Girl Friday in episode 15 of How Story Works, I talked about the concept of terroir, which is about how a work is always a product of its time and culture. There are things in His Girl Friday which draw deeply from the culture in which it was produced. And one of those things is the brief but very clear message this movie sends about race and power. What is the lowdown on it? Oh, simple, honey. Poor little dope who lost his job and went berserk and shot a cop who was coming after him to quiet him down. Now they're going to hang him tomorrow. Oh, Your paper, uh, you've been taking his side, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Well, if he was out of his mind when he did it, why doesn't the state just put him away? (laughs) Because it happened to be a colored policeman. You know what that means, Hildy. Mm -hmm. The colored vote's very important in this town. Especially with an election coming up three or four days. He'd hang his own grandmother to be re-elected. I should think he could just show that the man wasn't responsible. Mm, That's not so easy. Earl Williams is in jail because he shot a black cop, and this causes a political problem for the mayor who is up for election, and whose problem is so dishearteningly referred to as his need for the quote-unquote colored vote. While that word itself has since become problematic and fallen out of use, it's not the word here that I find interesting. It's the power of that demographic in that context. What we have here in His Girl Friday is a white politician making a law and order effort to put a white man to death for killing a black man. Now, there's an argument to be made that the moral question here is about the death penalty itself and how putting a man to death when he was out of his mind at the time of his crime is inhumane. But no one talks about the appropriateness of the death penalty. They're rolling their eyes over pandering to the black vote. In a modern context, we might bristle at the word colored here because it's impolite, but the offensiveness is not in the language. It's in the quiet presumption underlying the Earl Williams storyline that he's being unjustly punished because of black political power. Ladies and gentlemen, as much as my little narrative heart adores His Girl Friday for its fantastic romance and story elements, it is dripping with a fresh, wet coat of white supremacy. This is the only part of the movie where this is really even discussed, but it is full of presumptions about guilt and innocence based solely on race. And if you don't see that this movie is saying that a black cop's life is worth inherently less than that of a white man, it's because you've been primed not to see it. As have I. I watched this movie a number of times without ever thinking critically about that element. They skim by it so quickly, it's easy to miss. Part of the reason these power structures are in place is because we have been culturally primed to not see them until they affect us. But we remain blind to even that sometimes. I was in my 30s before I even recognized the way systemic misogyny had personally affected me through my whole life. Part of the reason for that is because of the power of stories. Stories tell us what's right and what's wrong, as the silent presumptions they adopt without question are the insidious beliefs we then, as a culture, internalize. 
But once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's the point. It's way past time that we all see these things. His Girl Friday is a great story and a great movie, but it has cultural poison within it. And if we ignore that poison, it then poisons us. And if there are other poisons within this movie that I missed, let me know. I'm giving myself permission not to catch everything, not to see everything, without it meaning necessarily that I'm a bad person because of it. Like I said, we are culturally primed. It is not our fault if we don't see it. But it is our responsibility to be open to it, to look for it, and to listen when other people see things that we miss. Another thing to consider, just because this movie fails to question white supremacy doesn't mean the rest of the movie is evil and has no value. Things are not that simple. It is a product of a time and culture where white supremacy and patriarchal values went unquestioned. That's sad, but that's terroir. There is still a lot to love in His Girl Friday, and I'm going to move forward in this critique and love those things. I will not condemn it because it carries its time and place within it. Every story can't help but do that for good and for ill. You separate out the poison, look it dead in the eye, say no, and move forward. As I stated in episode 15, His Girl Friday delivers a solid narrative, so it's got that going for it. It's got a tight structure, two contenders for central narrative conflict, both an external conflict between Hildy and Walter and an internal conflict for Hildy herself, which ride parallel to each other in beautiful symmetry. I talk about that at length in episode 15. Definitely go give that a listen. But even beyond that, His Girl Friday functions beautifully as a romantic comedy and manages to do something that a lot of romantic comedies and romantic relationships in movies that don't center on the romance often fail to do. It sells the relationship. If you've been listening to me for any length of time, you've heard me bemoan the standard Hollywood trope of I'm hot, you're hot, let's be hot together, in which two people simply by virtue of their beauty are put together and presented as an idealized love story when there's really nothing there to recommend that love story. But here in His Girl Friday, despite the fact that we have two objectively beautiful, smart and charming leads in Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell, that's not what the relationship is based on. The relationship is based on the fact that these two people harmonize and work wonderfully together. As I've said before, and I'll say again a thousand times, if you want to build a good relationship of any kind, but especially a good romantic relationship, you need people who work well together. You can see the great relationship between Hildy and Walter from the moment she walks into his office. The way they know each other so well, can predict each other's every thought and every next move, is demonstrated from jump. Well, well. How long is it? How long is what? You know what? How long is it since we've seen each other? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, I spent six weeks in Reno, then Bermuda. About four months, I guess. Seems like yesterday to me. Maybe it was yesterday, Hildy. Been seeing me in your dreams? No, no, Mama doesn't dream about you anymore, Wally. You wouldn't know the old girl now. Ah, uh, yes, I would. I'd know you any time, any, any place. Anywhere. Any... Ah, oh, you're repeating yourself, Walter. That's the speech you made the night you proposed. Yeah, I know that you still remember it. Of course, I remember it. If I didn't remember it, I wouldn't have divorced you. That dialogue shows their harmony, how well they know each other, and demonstrates their affection. That scene, it can be argued, goes on perhaps a little bit too long, but for dialogue like that, I'll take it. 
And in the rest of the movie, we see more evidence of how well they know each other. He predicts what she's going to do when he dangles the Earl Williams story in front of her. She knows that Walter's going to try to steal Bruce's money and tells Bruce to put the insurance payment in his hat. It's a dance between the two of them throughout as they anticipate and outsmart each other. And it's beautiful to watch. And throughout the movie, we get evidence of not only how well they know each other, but how well they work together. Once Hildy gets going on the Earl Williams story, we get a glimpse of how wonderfully they work together, how capable she is, and how much he respects that in her. Walter, Walter, listen. I've got the whole story on how Williams got that gun and escaped, and I got it exclusive. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and it's a pip. <laughs> it cost me 450 bucks to tear it out of Cooley. Never mind that. What's the story? Well, just a minute, and I'll give you the story. But I'm telling you, first, I had to give him all the money I had on me, and it wasn't exactly mine. Well, it's Bruce's money, and I want it back. Bruce's money? Sure, sure, sure. You'll get it. Now, what's the story? I'll send the money right down to you. I swear it on my mother's grave. All right, here's the story. Wait a minute. Your mother's alive. My grandmother's grave. Don't be technical, Healy. What's the story? Well, you get that money down here. All right, all right, here's your story. It's the jailbreak of your dreams. It seems this expert, Dr. Egelhofer, the profound thinker from New York, was giving Williams a final sanity test in the sheriff's office. You know, sticking a lot of pins in him so that he could get his reflexes. Well, he decided to reenact the crime exactly as it had taken place in order to study Williams's powers of coordination. Well, I'm coming to it. Of course, he had to have a gun to reenact the crime with. And who do you suppose supplied it? Peter B. Hartwell. B for brains. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I tell you, I'm not kidding. I'm not good enough to make this one up. You'll notice that for a romantic comedy, we have very little here in the way of traditional romance. No staring wistfully at each other, no kissing, no tender romantic moments. And yet, it's one of the best romances ever put on screen because of this. They work well together. Now, let's talk about one of the worst things you can do with regard to a romantic story pitting the couple against each other in the central narrative conflict. This almost never works because in a central narrative conflict, one of them has to lose. And generally, we don't feel good about a romance that ends with one of them beating the other into the dust. Also, see above, re, a couple that works well together, makes the best romance. You can't have your protagonist and antagonist working well together if they're working against each other. It screws up your conflict. His Girl Friday manages to dance around this problem because of two things. One, they're opposing each other like a tennis match. He bats a serve over the net and she slams it back at him. He gets a point. She gets a point. They're well matched. But in the background, while they're playing against each other, they're also working together on the Earl Williams story. The other reason this conflict structure works is that we've got Hildy's internal conflict. She loves being a reporter. She wants to be a reporter. She does not want to marry Bruce. She came to Walter hoping he would ruin her plans. Let's face it, she could have told him she was getting married over the phone in a letter via telegram. She didn't. She came to the office to see him in person because part of her wanted to be stopped. And we want that for her. Bruce may be sweet, but he is nowhere near Hildy's intellectual match the way that Walter is. Hello, Bruce. Uh, did you get the check? Is it certified? Certified and everything. I have it right in my pocket. Oh, in your pocket. That's fine. Wait a minute. Maybe it isn't so fine. Bruce, where are you? I'm in Mr. Burns' office. Is he there? Well, now, uh, look, Bruce. I don't want you to carry that check around in your pocket. Well, because... Yes, yes, I know all that, but... Uh... Bruce, uh, there's an old newspaper superstition that the first big check you get, you put in the uh, lining of your hat. In your hat. Uh, it brings good luck. 
I've been a reporter for 20 years. I never heard that before. Neither did I. I know it sounds silly, dear, but do it for me, please. Open for a dime. Yes, yes, right now. All right, just a minute. Now, just try to tell me that this relationship between Hildy and Bruce is based on mutual respect and intellectual compatibility. We see clearly that it's not, that Bruce could never make Hildy happy, and we want Walter to stop her from making a horrible mistake just as much as she does. It's because of that, because we know that Hildy wants to be a reporter and does not want to marry Bruce, that we want our antagonist to win and our protagonist to lose, because what she wants is not what's best for her. And only because His Girl Friday dances on the very thin edge of that knife, and because part of Hildy, the antagonist part of Hildy, wants what Walter wants, does this conflict structure work. If you want to see how this exact same conflict structure fails horribly in a movie, go watch You've Got Mail, a movie that I love dearly, but which is narratively indefensible. Hey, love what you love, folks. All right, that's it for today. Our next movie for our foray into advanced criticism is Easy A. How Story Works is a free college-level course in narrative theory and is entirely supported by listener donations. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help keep us in production and gain access to exclusive chipperish content and a community of amazing, smart people. That's a hell of a bargain. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish for more information. If you have questions about how story works, call 302-643-CHIP. That's 302-643-2447 and leave a message. Or you can email me at Lonnie at Chipperish.com or contact me on Twitter at Lonnie Diane Rich or at Chipperish with the hashtag HowStoryWorks. Thanks so much and I'll see you next time. <laughs>